Cockroaches have evolved to get around our best laid roach traps by becoming averse to sugar. But that adaptation has ruined their sex lives too. Now, a new study shows they've advanced once again, proving they really will survive the apocalypse. They've developed a more complex sugary substance to attract females with and new moves to impress them, getting them back in the game, so to speak. This is Pulse Check. I'm Ruth Reader. A study from CDC, CMS, and NIH researchers reveals that medication treatment for opioid use disorder via telehealth reduced overdoses during the pandemic nearly as much as in-person treatment. The findings come as the DEA considers public comments on a proposal that would make it more difficult to access buprenorphine, one of the drugs used to treat opioid addiction. During the pandemic, patients were able to acquire buprenorphine without an in-person visit to the doctor. But under a new DEA proposal set to take effect 180 days after the public health emergency ends in May, patients could get an initial 30-day supply of the drug virtually, but eventually an in-person doctor visit would be required. And Idaho could be the first state to stop minors from traveling to another state for an abortion. Bill 242 would make it a crime for an adult to assist a minor in acquiring medication abortion or traveling to another state for an abortion procedure without parental consent. The bill has passed in the state house and is expected to pass in the Senate. And yesterday, the FDA approved Narcan, an opioid overdose reversal drug, to be sold without a prescription for the first time ever. Catherine Ellen Foley is here to break it all down. Hey, thanks for having me. We are getting Narcan over the counter, no longer prescription needed. Can we first talk about what Narcan is? So Narcan is a nasal spray version of naloxone, which is one of the oldest tools we have to combat opioid overdoses. Naloxone is super old, super safe. It's been around since the 70s. It was originally introduced in a surgical setting. So if anesthesiologists accidentally gave patients too much of an opioid, they could reverse that really quickly. All it does is remove opioids from our brain's receptors. It sort of breaks that connection. And that's how it prevents overdoses. In hospital settings, it's used as an injectable. There are still injectable forms of naloxone. But what makes Narcan really great is it's a nasal spray. So you use it much like you would use like an allergy medication. And because this drug is so safe, nothing would happen if a person who wasn't experiencing uh, an overdose was given Narcan or naloxone in any form. What the decision we have on Wednesday from the FDA means is that the agency has decided that for this specific spray form of Narcan, it believes that a layperson, anybody, even someone who doesn't really read English particularly well, even someone who can't read in general, would be able to effectively use Narcan on somebody who is experiencing an opioid overdose. What is now the significance of being able to get Narcan sold without a prescription over the counter? Why is that such a big deal right now? And what's the hope for how it might affect the opioid epidemic in the U.S.? That was a big thing that expert advisors to the FDA discussed when they were talking about this particular drug application. They wanted to make sure that anybody would know how to use this product from the packaging alone. That's the main criteria for an over-the-counter product. So this isn't necessarily meant 
just for individuals who think that they might overdose to carry. This is broader than that, it sounds like. Yes, you could have this on hand if you think that you might overdose. It's often distributed when you receive opioids as part of a pain management plan. But it's also really good to have in case, you know, a family member or loved one that you know is undergoing an overdose. Or if you live in a part of the country where overdoses are prevalent, you could have this on hand and save a life. There would be no harm to anyone who accidentally administers Narcan to somebody who isn't undergoing an overdose. So how likely are people to do this, to sort of carry Narcan and to distribute it to someone or to administer it to someone? I can see in the case of a family member, if you know that a family member might, but what about somebody who they don't know? Are there questions there legally that have yet to be answered? The fact that there are no negative consequences to have it administered in this particular form really played a a role in the FDA's decision to give this an over-the-counter label. There are definitely some questions about other forms of naloxone, though. And there are also questions about, you know, who's going to be able to access this particular form of Narcan. And that comes down to who is most likely to experience an overdose or witness an overdose. And like, will they readily carry this particular product? How much is Narcan going to cost consumers? Narcan, as of today, it depends on where you buy it. You're required to have a prescription for it. All 50 states and D.C. have some sort of legal workaround so that you don't actually need to go to a doctor's office. Pharmacists can prescribe this, or there are certain entities that have bulk prescriptions written so they can just give out Narcan to those who ask. Right now, if you go through a traditional pharmacy, that two-pack of Narcan, because it comes in in two packs, could cost roughly around $70 for two. And that's pretty expensive. So there are a lot of questions about how much this will cost. Emergent Biosolutions, the company that makes Narcan, has not actually said how much they're going to charge for Narcan. They say they're currently working with retailers, and of course, the cost to consumers is going to be different because maybe someone's insurance is going to cover it, and now that's in question given its over-the-counter status. Medicare, for example, doesn't cover a lot of over-the-counter therapies, so that would be something that patients would have to pay for up front. As we're getting into the discussion of cost, what we're really getting into is a discussion of accessibility. Right, exactly. How are people going to get this? And also, where are they going to get it? Has that come up as part of the conversation, not just sort of using pharmacies as points of distribution, but are there other mechanisms for distributing Narcan that have come up as a result of this over-the-counter designation? This is a big discussion among harm reduction advocates and among healthcare providers who really treat people who are most likely to experience an overdose. And while overdoses can happen to anybody who's taking opioids, they're most likely going to happen to people who are either inhaling or injecting illicit forms of opioids. And for the most part, people who are inhaling or injecting drugs are probably not going to go the pharmacy route in terms of procuring this. Thankfully, there are many other programs that can help these individuals access naloxone if it's something they would like. There are a lot of needle exchange programs that are run by the state 
in which, you know, they can distribute Narcan, but they can also distribute an injectable form of naloxone using this like standing order prescription. And in these cases, a lot of advocates will say that, you know, people who use drugs, especially those who inject drugs, are going to be extremely familiar with how to give themselves an intramuscular injection. And that is something where, you know, the cost of naloxone in that form is so much cheaper. So there's definitely a big debate among public health experts and harm reduction advocates over, you know, who is this over-the-counter Narcan really for? And of course, it's great to save any life. Nobody is questioning that. Nobody is saying that this is a bad thing. There's just some question of, is this as accessible as it could be? And so what does this mean for the Biden administration that this drug is getting over-the-counter status? Yeah, I mean, the Biden administration has really prioritized combating the opioid crisis in the U.S. as best it can. And what will be interesting to see is that Narcan is not the only inhaled naloxone product out there. There is another company called Harm Reduction Therapeutics that has also asked the FDA to approve its naloxone nasal spray as an over-the-counter product as well. The FDA is slated to make a decision by July for that product. This company, Harm Reduction Therapeutics, is a nonprofit, and they have pledged to sell their form called Revive, essentially at cost, depending on what additional funding they can get. But that's a very different model from Emergent Biosolutions' business model. Of course, there are questions, you know, would the FDA consider approving another form of of naloxone, like an injectable form, to be over-the-counter. Some harm reduction advocates have been really pushing the agency to go ahead and approve all forms of naloxone as over-the-counter, but the agency still has questions about whether all people would be able to use it, and they're really hoping that they can see concrete data that lay people would be able to figure out how to give themselves an injection before they would make that an over-the-counter product. So it sounds like there might be some more options going forward as this progresses and that maybe accessibility will become less of a challenge over time. That's the hope. I mean, if you think about any form of a drug or any form of harm reduction in general, the more forms you have, the more choices users have, the more uptake there will be. There's no such thing as one size fits all in any kind of medicine. So why would harm reduction be any different? Well, thank you so much for walking me through this. It has been so interesting to find out about all the ways in which Narcan is becoming more widely available. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for chatting, Ruth. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese and Afra Abdullah are our producers. Raghu Manavalan is our editor. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of Audio at Politico. I'm Ruth Reader. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. 